terrifying thrills and spooky chills. Let's find out what our heroes get into this week on our Spooktacular 2020. He needs more and less blankets. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Hapless Heroes. My name is Phil, and I will be your horrific host, your disturbing DM, for this Halloween special. Oh, like no! To... <laughs> I'm sure you're all quaking in your boots. I'd like to start by introducing our cast of characters, starting to my right. We have Dave, playing Omega Project Zero. Good evening! We have Francesco playing Tabby. Oh, hi there, friends. We have John playing Dr. Didoo. Did I miss anything? <laughs> we have Mike playing Murph Eastlaw. Oh my God, what's going on? And rounding out our cast, our newest member, we have Nicole playing Boris the Butcher. Hi guys, I'm back. Yes, as if this year wasn't scary enough, I have doffed my adventurer's ascot and donned my DM dicky. I have <laughs> safely <laughs> stowed my ale <laughs> and refilled my receptacle with a rousing roasted Colombian elixir. And uh, without any further ado, let's set the scene. You are all traveling south away from Ardwall with a new mission from Pope Popeson to arrive in High Rock and address the problems there. The heroes have taken time for a bit of respite and the sea is rather calm. You can feel a chilling air sweeping across the deck of the Oberstar. Ooh, so cold. <laughs> Scattered clouds hang low as they pass, illuminated by the moonlight. You have traveled through the Blood Bay and into the Sea of Blood. It is calm, silent, and besides for the wake of the ship, nothing else is disturbed. Until you hear a call from the crow's nest. John, I have a uh, text that I'm sending you if you wouldn't mind reading that. Ah, we have a package! Ha! Um, the other four of you roll me perception checks. We'll just see where you are and see if you heard that. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> yes. 18. 25. Okay. 23. Okay. All right, all of you. 
So you can hear clearly Dr. Dudu shouting from the crow's nest. And suddenly, a loud thud erupts through the ship as something heavy lands on the deck. So anyone who would approach it, you can see a large wooden crate attached to a strange parachute. It appears to be made out of some sort of hide and it smells putrid. On the side of the crate, you can see the insignia of Scrag, the Troll King to the west. Suddenly the crate begins to rumble and jostle on the deck. Green light begins to glow from within. Suddenly the top bursts open and the walls fall away, leaving a large black cauldron. Magical flames ignite from beneath it, and a viscous green liquid begins to bubble. Green liquid! Green liquid! You notice neither the crate or the deck are being consumed by the flame. And as it glows brighter, you begin to hear voices. The smoke and steam from the cauldron begins to illuminate with the vision of three figures. Three figures? (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't work that way, friend. It's going to be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> what you see before you are three hags. The first one, gray hair, pointed purple cap, and one eye. The second one, blonde, slim figure with bright purple eyes. And the third, shrouded in black lace. All you can see are the wrinkled, shrunken features of her face. And she appears... Is focus? She appears to be blind. <laughs> That's the one exception. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> what, sisters? Am I speaking to the heroes of Tarduria? Uh, you're speaking well, to Dr. Dudu! <laughs> Not exactly, not exactly, but close enough. We're definitely associated. Ish. The one shrouded in black. Heroes. Visions. Vecna. Oh, you didn't say they'd be so handsome, Gladdy. <laughs> I am called Gladys, and these are my sisters, Gertrude and Griselda. Hello. We are the Trier, advisors to the Troll King. We have a message for you. (laughs) A most urgent message. Quiet, Gristle. We have news from the battlefronts. I'd like some news from some of their fronts. Shush! We have seen an agent of evil. Let me speak. One of Vecna's command was spotted during the assaults on Scrag. He was injured. Yes, he was a bloody boy, but still handsome. He was seen fleeing through a magical fog, but my sisters and I have found him. Ruins, souls, bound. I scried on his junk. Quiet, sisters. (laughs) There's not much time. We believe him to be in the southern region of Carnassus. There is an island off the Cape called Ouija. It has a steep mountain range, and at the base of these mountains is a petrified forest. 
There within you will find the ruins of a kingdom of giants long lost to time. We believe this to be the lair of this agent. And from what we have seen of this place, it may be a waypoint for Vecna's horde. Possibly a critical position to defending the rest of the realm. And as you watch the smoke and vapors bubbling above the cauldron, you can see your vision begins to change. Suddenly you can see three large islands and in the inland, the closest one, you can see a tall mountain just as they had spoke of. The sky is black with soot and lightning streaks across sporadically. And you can see down within the forest, a prominent hill rising up through the trees. You can see dimly lit bonfires in a perimeter surrounding pile of stone and rubble and small black figures attending these fires and scattering around. And as quickly as you saw the vision, it returns back to the sisters. There's also a forest at the base of my mountain. Quiet! I cannot stand you. Is it petrified too? Keep it in your pants, Gertie. Wow. It seems very little of Vecna's armies reside here now, but we believe that may change if not addressed. Giants, souls, blood. Hey, so are you guys single? Confound you wenches, let me speak. You are on your way to High Rock, yes? How convenient. We implore you to investigate this island, find the agent and rid this world of him. This may be our only opportunity to strike while one of Vecna's command is weakened. Treats, treats. Oh yes, yes, fine, Gristle, shush. Reach into the cauldron. Inside you will find a small bundle. Gristle here insisted we spend all night making them for you, so use them well. And I wrapped it for you. Uh, ah, I do like treats. And to do uh, kind of like waddles over and sticks his head in. Yeah, of course he goes. Always head first with him. <laughs> um, so how how long is your beak? I mean, gooses just have like it's a gonna, four inch beak. Yeah, just a long neck that can dip into. Yeah, okay. yeah. My, right. my my neck kind of like curves around and like in, and you can still see my entire torso. Just my neck is in there. Okay, um, I'm not going to make your roll a check because it's a thick, viscous liquid and there's the only solid bundle in the bottom. But in fact, you do find uh, something solid uh, wrapped in a t- some sort of cloth. And as you pull it out, uh, it is indeed a small little bundle that seems to be wrapped with a rat's tail. Gross. Uh, oh. Dudu, Dudu would uh, try to open it because he thinks there's snacks inside. Okay, and indeed, um, it's not a complicated knot. Uh, it's more of a rubbery tail loosely tied around. Um, so you can open that up. And you do indeed find out that this, this piece of cloth is, in fact, hag panties. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dudu is completely unfazed. Okay. <laughs> does Dudu have to roll? Like, does he? I mean, I'm assuming this old man has been around for a while. Um, they're rather sticky, so I mean that's the uh, the main 
senses that you're getting is whatever it was boiling and bubbling in. But it seems unharmed. Um, what you see is a small little pouch and next to it, a uh, eyedropper. And inside this small little vial, um, you can see a cloudy, uh, almost slightly pale blue shimmering liquid. Across the veil you must pass. Two planes wrapped in one. Find the well that death was cast. Be sure the deed is done. Um, so what my sister's trying to say is if you're ever around Scrag, you should just give us a call. Damn you, heads! <laughs> this was my cauldron trapped and you both hijacked it! Well, what say you, heroes? <laughs> Uh, well, is Zero, are you standing here amongst the group? Oh, yeah, Zero has been uh, quiet the whole time, uh, you know, secure in the fact that he's smooth as a Ken doll down there and doesn't have to worry about this kind of crap. Mm. Smooth <laughs> as a Ken doll. I'm going to look to, I'm actually going to look to you to like, because like you're the only quote unquote hero among us. Um, so I'd look to you to make the, uh, make the call. Well, on one hand, it sounds like a problem we can shoot our way out of. On the other hand, I'm not the captain of this ship, and I'm not driving it. Which means whoever is the captain, if we were to take an detour, it would drive them, Quinn, absolutely insane. So yes, we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, alrighty then, it's settled. As a matter of fact, um, I know you guys have done most of your traveling airborne, but anyone knowledgeable of the seas and uh, nautical travel would know that you're traveling from the west <clears throat> and south around the point. Imagine traveling around South America before the Panama Canal was built. And down at the Cape, there's a cluster of islands. Uh, further to the south of you would be the nation of Tamasha here but you know you need to go south around the Cape and continue back up north towards the east in order to get to High Rock. So right. the islands that they speak of are pretty much on the way. Okay, so it'll only drive the captain a little insane. I mean, <laughs> not quite as good, but I'll take it. And you can see uh, most of the other crew are flabbergasted, like, you know, Dudu swiftly took his place up in the crow's nest, of course, um, but the rest of the the crewmen are very shocked to see not only a magical parachute <laughs> dropping down onto their ship, but then bursting open and having this uh, cauldron communication yeah. with uh, such grotesque if, people. If nobody removed the, um, the satchel, which ended up being panties, if nobody removed that from Dudu, he would have taken it to the crow's nest with him and is going to use um, the ritual identify to figure out what it is. <laughs> so there were two things wrapped in the panties. There was a little pouch, and then there was a little vial. Uh -huh. um, and you can, you can identify, uh, actually, opening up the pouch a little bit, uh, you can feel there's like a multitude of small things in here. Um, and they look to be like bugs. Um, but they're not alive. They just, like, cockroaches and centipedes and beetles. 
um, rather big bugs, but there's a period, there's there's over a dozen of them, um, at least from glancing inside the pouch. Okay. And then the strange. So he's, he'll look through all of them. So there's a bunch of bugs in the one pouch. And then there's that that's that strange liquid, like with like the little eyedropper in it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's a small vial. It's only about this big, but it, it simply has the dropper in it. Okay. Um, you can still see the three hags. They they kind of pose like you know, are you going to do this? Would you like to do this? And yeah, they're yeah, all we're... like eagerly awaiting. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna do it. Zero said we're gonna do it, so we're gonna do it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Zero looks over at the crew members who are standing uh, a little slack-jawed and uh, just went quick. Back to work. You've been working with us for how long? This is the thing that's going to trip you off into not doing stuff? Actually, to be, back to, to, to be fair, these the people, the crew of this ship have only been working with us for the time, be, the time between now and when we set sail. So... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that that doesn't change Zero's position on yeah, this no. literally. <laughs> he could not tell the difference between people who have been working with us for years and people who have been working with us for ten. Minutes. Does your mug They're say anything in. different now, or are you uh, still? You know what I mean? Because like you could try to you could literally get the whole crew behind us by just swinging a mug of a different, you know, title. You're right, but in the intervening three seconds, I couldn't come up with one, which means I don't have anything good enough, so I'll just move too on bad. on it for now. And if I come up with something later, I'll have to go with it, but I'm not going to hold myself on it. So, Dudu would like to do a nature check on the bugs to see if they're poisonous or if they're edible. Um, <clears throat> are you doing this up in the crow's nest? Yeah, I'm in the crow's oh, okay. nest with the, with the panties and the bugs and the vial. Uh, these smell sweet. Uh, they, they don't smell unpleasant. Un- what are these? Oh, the bugs. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Yes. There was, there was, that was a distinction we needed to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Between the bugs and what they were wrapped up in, you're saying? Right. Oh, yes, there was these, and there are a lot of things that take a plural there. <laughs> Do I know what kind of bugs they are with a nature check? I think you would. Um, like I said, it's kind of a mixed bag. Got um, beetles, large beetles, dung beetles. You've got uh, like millipedes. Um, there's probably some moths and uh, cockroaches. Um, the varieties differ between the size of a quarter and the length of your thumb. And uh, you can count out 20. And actually, Griselda says, Well played, heroes. Uh, be sure you don't eat too many at once. It might cause a bellyache. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> Man, why do I gotta laugh all crazy like that? It kind of freaks me out. I know. I tell her she keeps, you know, doing that, and she's gonna chew away all the boys, and and she could just change it up for once, you know. I. Haven't laughed in a hundred years. <laughs> quiet, quiet! Our time's almost up. Do you have any more questions? I'm assuming that liquid is something to do with changing planes. Uh, yes, it's a it's a, a single dose, but it should last about ten minutes. Make sure you drop equally into both eyes. Uh, I'm gonna send my mage hand up to. Uh, 
to do and take the vial. Because I don't, um, I, I would try trust myself more with it than I do this crazy goose person. Smart. Um, and I've also traveled you... between planes before, so Tabby would at least have a better idea of what to do here. Did you, um, are you, uh, I guess, are you trying to be stealthy about this? Or yes, I'm just going to you... take it while he's enamored with the box. <laughs> I, 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 okay, I mean, you don't I, have to roll for stealth. I was going to say, at a, at a minimum, my sleight of hand is a 20. I can't roll below yeah. a 20 on that, yeah. so. I can roll if so, you want to. No, no, no. To do, you are, uh, you know, just focused on these bugs and kind of picking through them. But some of them smell like mint. Some of them smell like, like toasted uh, cocoa. Um, you know, a little bit bitter, but they certainly have a pleasant aroma, and each one of them kind of tastes or smells at least uh, a little bit differently. To uh, do, eat one of them. You feel I, I guess one of the moths. You feel uh, a crunch, as this is indeed, in fact, like a insect. Um, there's a slight bitterness and sourness to the exterior, and you can feel the the layers of like the soft um, abdomen and uh, the softness of the wings. The dust kind of coats your mouth, and the dust starts to take on a uh, cocoa scent, and then you start to taste almost like a dark chocolate truffle, and you gain one temporary hit point. Oh. I have about ni- 19 left. Does... Just hang on to those. We may, right. we may need do, them later. Does the dude recognize... I mean, he would recognize that something magical had happened to him, right? Yes. I feel like yes. that's why he told you what the effect was, right? So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't feel any adverse effects. You're not woozy. You're not nauseous. Um, because the insides have been transformed, the outside is still the same. Um, Dudu is going to sit up there with the bugs and use the um, identify ritual to just, I mean, it would take him, what, 190 minutes to get the rest of them to know how many each one of them was or which one does what? Well, you can wager. Oh, no, um, it, only, it only takes me it, it takes me a minute. Okay. Certainly you have some time to go through um, after the first three or four. They might taste or smell slightly different, but they all have the same effect, a rejuvenating restoration. Okay. okay. So it seems like each, each single one of them uh, adds one. plus one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not as good as cocktail sausages, <laughs> uh, but I do believe they add a little more to me. <laughs> um, That's disgusting. Uh, someone want to go tell the captain we're going to make a quick detour? I, I, I'm, I would and, be delighted. And, and I was going to say, and Tavi puts his finger on his nose. <laughs> yeah, Murph, Murph takes every opportunity to go talk to, to Captain Quinn Southwest. Yeah, you're taking every opportunity to go kiss ass to yourself. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I play a character that likes my other character. <laughs> well, what is what is the captain it feel is about your fault. Murph? Exactly, it is my fault. <laughs> um, I mean, like as long as he's like not off course, I don't think Quinn's gonna really care what the interns are doing. Yeah, we just need to make a quick stop. Like we just yeah. we have to. Because I'm yeah. assuming this ship I mean, is like, probably traveling faster than normal with Quinn's newfound, you know, 
abilities, right? So we're able to get places a lot quicker. Right. I'm wondering if, like, is there a place around that area where we would stop for rations or something like that? No, I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that the ship, and just as a DM's note, right, for, like, the DM, the ship was supplied for the journey. Like, like the right. Sea Lords are used to long stints at sea. There would be no need to stop off to resupply on a ship this size. So I guess his main concern is, like, not stopping. Like, he wouldn't want to stop. Well, you do know um, from your last, uh, you know, Endeavor sailing, that something had changed about you where now you can control the velocity of the sea travel and you have an innate sense of how to navigate the waves and shores. Um, however, you do know that, like, even though you passed uh, remarkably, after each time you command a vessel like that, there is some sort of um, tax, you know, that you may feel a strain on your body or on your senses. Um, last time you felt great, but you're at least aware that possibly the longer you travel, the more or less likely you may be to uh, exhaustion or, or some sort of fatiguing effect. I think that um, makes- as it stands, you traveled from the the Tri Nation Peninsula back to Ardwall, and it took you a matter of a matter of hours. Um, right. For you to go to High Rock, it might take you upwards of 16 hours if you went straight. As it is now, um, you guys kind of just sailed out of Ardwall, and you had a, a course, but you didn't go guns a-blazing straight through the Blood Bay. Now that you've reached the open sea, I think that um, if you wanted to, you could be traveling at a much higher rate. And then at some point would need to like just for physicality sake, have some sort of rest. Yeah. I don't have all the specific details of yeah. your new I think, power. That ma- I think that makes sense. I'm just trying to logically yeah. think why Quinn I mean, nor, nor does Quinn necessarily, right? Like, Quinn is still kind of figuring that out. Yeah. But I think that, right. here, fellas, if anything, though, we could just tell the, the captain this is a good opportunity for more fame and glory or whatever. I mean, I know he's into that sort of thing. And maybe he'll be convinced to, you know, stop the ship for a little while. Yeah, I find it weird to try to persuade myself at this point. So as the character player, I'm going to just say that Quinn Quinn will take an opportunity to rest and make time for his fans. So um, down near the quarters, uh, you can hear some retching coming from one of the rooms. You recognize it to be Hedrick's room. And uh, you can just hear this like... (laughs) Oh, damn it. Why did I get that tuna omelet? Oh, I need more blankets. And less blankets. (laughs) 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 Oh, poor Hedrick. Seasick and uh, poor choice of food. (laughs) It means more and less blankets. (laughs) I'm afraid you're right. (laughs) Trying to be helpful, Boris both brings him a new blanket and takes one of the ones that are already in the room out. Boris, your dream. Oh, oh, thank you. Don't get too close. I, I don't want to. No, wanna, I'm, mm. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm getting right out of here. <laughs> she runs out of the room and slams the door behind her. And he waves, he waves thank you as he rolls over. Um, so, Captain, we have a, not a deviation from course, but we have a new, a new uh, spot to go. 
And if there's anything else you guys would do now to prepare, you recognize you're going to be stopping about half as soon or um, twice as fast as you expected to for the, the trip that you had planned. This spot is like about halfway. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Toppy would be ready. Okay. I, I immediately take the blanket I took from Hedrick Sherman and throw it over the side of the ship, but otherwise I'm good to go. <laughs> Zero is going to take over um, either a conference room or some other room with a large table and do uh, a pretty exhaustive teardown and rebuild of reason on the way there, mostly just to take over an entire room. <laughs> something to feel like lab on the way. Awesome. And Dudu? Um, Dudu would be <clears throat> visiting with Pregnart, making sure he's loaded up on cocktail sausages. Um, Actually, I don't know if really Pregnart would be on the ship. I think Pregnart's probably still on the airship, so you're flying solo. Oh, with it. Well, then I guess he would be frantically making sure he has enough cocktail sausages. <laughs> For, the, for his own and find, journey. <laughs> and find, finding out who in the galley can make a good cocktail sausage. <laughs> um, okay, very good. Uh, so. Uh, with, with, do we want to do a, a, a to do looking for a, a chef to make him cocktail sausages montage? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done a montage in a while. <laughs> we haven't done a montage no. in a while. I mean, that's. But I don't just, know if that's cause enough for a montage there, John. <laughs> it's it's like, dude, this is a cocktail sausage montage. Yeah. All right. Well, ah! it's, it just there it is. It just happened. So, so now you're, canon. You're, you're you're welcome, world. <laughs> so you're cutting across the waters just as fast as you had before uh, a greater sense of urgency now you see Quinn at the at the bow with his arms out and the back of this ship is casting a, a rooster tail uh, 30 feet high into, into the water behind you and the wake is just ripping the sides amazing you rapidly approach the cape of Cronessus further out to the south you can see a storm over the sea casting the horizon in blackness briefly interrupted by flashes of lightning. To your left, what used to be coastlines of bustling ports and coves of fishing communities are now desolate settlements. With the fall of Tarantus, the kingdom of Cronessus has been declared an exclusion zone by the Omega Project, and it appears these lands have all been deserted. You draw nearer and see three large islands the Isle of Ouija is exactly how the Triag described it. It has a tall peak and beneath it, a thick pale forest. As you scan the shore, you can see jagged black volcanic rock and small points jutting out of the shallows. You're at the point now where Quinn would most likely not continue barreling into the mouth, into the islands. Yeah, so, someone, someone <laughs> probably shouted "Land ahoy." Mm-hmm. As is tradition. I would hope it was to do on a ship, <laughs> but failing to do someone else. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. The person in the crow's nest. I, I, sorry, the goose's nest. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just lives up there. He doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> so there's probably still someone working up there. He's just like shitting all over this crow's nest. Like. 
Like going around in circles, like periodically he honks and shits, and the other guy just keeps like scrubbing it, like as he's following around. Damn it! Um, when the dude does see the um, the island and how like frightening it is, he goes, "Oh, are we going there?" And uh, creates another <laughs> transmuter stone. Uh, this time, oh Jesus! I, I forgot. I forgot that you like. <laughs> Poop out Pass. the, transmu- the <laughs> transmutation <laughs> stones. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, um, the little worker next to you—he's uh, a halfling—and he had a cigar in his mouth, and he was just constantly grumbling to himself. And when this transmuter stone drops out of you, he stares. His eyes go wide, and the cigar falls out of his mouth, like onto his lap. And then he quickly like puts it out, and, like grabs his cigar, and he's just like wiping his brow. Smearing goose shit, <laughs> and just astounded at the fact that this magical creature is just a goose. Mm-hmm. A goose person. Very powerful goose person. Um, I guess I will go with... Well, I kind of like rolling for it. I have one, two, three, four options. I like, I like it being random. All right. Do it. That's, I mean, that's your call. It is resistance to lightning damage. That's helpful. Yep. Um, now, is it just while you're holding it or while someone is holding it, you have resistance to lightning damage? I work? have to hold it. I can only have one active at a time. Okay. Uh, and I can change it if I use a first level or higher transmutation spell when I have it. Got it. But so for now, as long as you're holding it, you're resistant to lightning damage. Mm-hmm. All right. Not the worst thing ever, since you'll probably be flying, and there it's, there looks to be lightning happening in front of us. So <laughs> yeah, it actually worked out pretty well for a random roll. I wasn't sure which one I wanted. You're now, I would say, approaching the shallows of the islands, and that storm that you see is still, I would say, 50 miles away from you at least. Okay. So it's further out into the open ocean. You're much in closer to land, but it does appear to be rolling or at least strafing towards your direction. Well, we're probably going to have um, to anchor this ship, in, like you know, before we reach you know too far into the shallows and like take a like a smaller boat, you know what I mean, out to the island itself. Because we're not going to like I don't think Quinn's going to park this thing on a bunch of rocks and coral and stuff, you know. <laughs> Although it is a uh, a large island certainly uh, large enough to inhabit it's not so large you know we're not we're not talking about um you know cuba we're talking about long island right Ooh, long island long <laughs> listen you're asking you're asking the canadian girl to do a new york accent like I think she's trying her best <laughs> trying <laughs> <laughs> Captain, what is the course you wish to take? Well, he's playing Murph tonight, so the captain. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just curious, like if you would be I'm making like, those calls. Uh, I, again, I just think that he, he's definitely looking to, um, probably take like a halftime rest. So, okay, like, we're, we're about halfway where we need to be. So he's going to take this opportunity to rest and like be able to gain up speed for the next segment of the voyage to drop anchor literally and figuratively 
Right. Um, you actually, uh, you notice a halfling crawl out of the crow's nest, um, and he's got these thick mutton chops on the sides, and he's scurrying down the ropes, down the ladders, and he's back onto the deck. He says, uh, he says to Murph, he says, uh, you guys are going to want to find a different spot around this island. This looks like a whole bunch of reefs. In fact, uh, I think I think I might have seen some shipwrecks around here, but uh, I don't know. I don't know who's going to steer, but this place looks no good. Uh, would it would, would we be able to uh, take uh, one of the just one of the smaller boats on the side and row to shore? I suppose. I mean, I, I saw some pretty dark patches. Uh, I don't really know these waters too well, but from what I saw out there, uh, it gets pretty shallow, pretty hairy. Um, and you can see that there are some swells that come in from kind of back inland as well from out at sea. And when they're crashing, you can see sunken parts where you'd really have to kind of like navigate this little spot. Um, with a rowboat, you would you would be taking your time not to like bump and get swayed into different things. I know, but just like um, taking like a destroyer class vessel and like try to plow it through the coral reef sounds like a worse idea <laughs> yeah well I'm saying even with a dinghy some of this stuff sticking up out of the shallows yeah there's going to be some chops yeah. but um well then you, you know there, uh, there is another side of the island um I don't think we'd be too much trouble to just go around real quick this side just looks awful I mean well, yeah let's try to find our best way to get there can't our magic captain just like wiggle his fingers and jump over all the stabby bits? <laughs> it's possible we could ask him. You you are getting closer, and uh, you can see masts sticking up out of the water. Certainly, this area looks like enough little like lumpy rock bits that you can see. There's probably way more beneath the surface. Yeah, it's probably um, best if we try to find a way around and find a good place to like mm-hmm. actually get to shore. It's not that hard. It only takes some moments. Didn't you pilot the airship? Don't you know how to do any ship? No, no. There's all kinds of uh, issues with uh, fluid retro uh, redynamics and uh, some problems with the ballast buoys and uh, there's uh, there's this uh, real real problem with some defrenulation. You don't want anything to do with anything. Oh, yes, of course. Right. You're absolutely correct. We should probably get Quinn again. I, I don't really know. Let's just we'll, we'll just have. I mean, he's probably above deck at the mast, right? There's no below deck steering to this thing, so I'm sure we could just kind of get him to just steer this thing around, like just without magic. Well, even if he was, you know, below decks, all Quinn has to do is merely approach the edge of the uh, the ship, look down to the waters, and say. Take me there. Around it is. Take me around. And surely enough, uh, there's another smaller island next to Ouija, and you can you can get all the way around that, and on the back side of the island, you can see a black, sandy beach. That's Whereas nice. the other side on the inland, it's all rough. On the outer side, facing the sea, it's all black sand, and it's very smooth. You could run this boat right up to the shore at this point. You get out, you know in a dinghy for maybe two seconds and you're unsure. Okay. Um, you can see that it's low tide right now and there are uh, docks, or at least makeshift docks, further down 
um, from the sandy shore part. And you notice some small structures resembling huts. You don't see any movement whatsoever. Looks like a civilization. Zero is immediately going to uh, shoulder reason and uh, proceed tactically towards the huts. All right, that's um, we got structures here. That's going to be our first place to secure the structure. So let's uh, let's give ourselves a nice LZ here, folks. Nice right. and easy. So I guess so yeah, I we'll head to the we'll we'll head to the dock area. Probably like anchor the ship not far out from there. I'm not sure if they have room for like a ship of this size, right? Because it is a rather large vessel. So we what can you see would be more area. so um, simple cargo ships or fishing vessels. Yeah, they say like fishing this vessels, kind of dock. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we could just like you know like anchor you know not far out, row the rest of the way, and, and get up on the shore. No problem. No checks needed. As you find yourselves ashore, all of these structures, all of these huts are rather dilapidated. Many with the roofs flapping in this coastal breeze that is picking up, and the docks are floating. And they seem rather sea-weathered. Although structurally intact, they are free-floating and they do not appear to be new. Um, You see various footprints scattered about, but you don't see signs of life. You don't see foodstuffs or equipment or anything like that. Everything's rather desolate. Um, Would I actually... Since we never... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but... Since I, since I realize that this is not a skill that gets used very often, but would I be able to make a survival check to determine how fresh the footprints are? Yes, please. 23. Absolutely. The footprints that you're seeing, although, you know, the spots in the sand, you can't make out anything. You can tell there were footprints there, but it's been too long of a time okay. uh, has passed to blow it around. But... When you do reach like the docks and more of the solid footing, you're picking up uh, trails. You know, you're you're seeing how someone was moving in a direction and leaned against this house, and you can see a dried streak of blood across the doorway of one of these huts. You can see a basket that's turned over, uh, a couple of rats munching on whatever grains are left inside. Um, it appears nobody's been here for a while. It appears all of the tracks are heading in a direction along the coast, past the docks, and then curling into the forest. Okay. And you can see at the edges, it's green. At the edges, you have uh, sort of shrubbery and low growth, um, very tropical. But as it moves closer in, you can see the trees get weepier. They kind of hang lower instead of straight up, and they are a pale gray. Interesting. Um. You can see what look to be some signs of struggle. You see different sizes of footprints uh, from what you would imagine from halfling size to giant size. Interesting. So quite a difference. I mean, obviously, I relay this information to the rest of the party. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, just note that we should did, move cautiously. To do, to do with flying kind of circles and laps above everyone, and once they start headed towards the trees... Uh, he's going to kind of fly down and perch. Now, are these trees um, solid? Like, are they stone now? Or like, what has happened to these trees? They seem petrified. Yeah. Uh, where you have greenery and big fan leaves and palms at the edge by the coast. As you get further in, they become less leafy and more stone-like. Uh, you can notice, even with the strong breezes, these trees are barely moving. 
So they, they even the ground itself, there's very little ground cover. Um, you're not hearing any sounds of wildlife, except for off in the distance, possibly on the other side of the island, you can hear wolves. And not one, not two, but a pack. And you can hear them a ways away, on the other side, possibly on the other side of the peak. But that's how silent it is right now. Are the trees um, super close together? Like, would Dudu be able to keep circling and fly down as needed and see everybody the whole time? Or should he be on ground level? That's my question. Well, actually, when you fly up, you can see in this direction, the same area where you've seen um, everybody walking into the forest, following that direction towards the peak, you can actually see some faint trails of smoke. And it's only maybe about two miles from where you are. Um, the area that you find yourself in is really dense and thick. However, what you're walking through seems to be a broken path. Something large or many things have come through here and forged this trail. It's not completely clear. The footing is uneven, but you do see some trees completely removed and thrown to the side. Well, I think that's probably the way we need to start heading. I'd say we just go quietly and, uh, you know, just keep your eyes peeled. When there are clearings, yeah, when there are clearings to do, we'll try to get, uh, take take off a little bit and scout ahead, kind of, uh, and then return when the the group starts to walk through again. It's like every once in a while, you'll see him take off and kind of do a a lap and then come back and, and join with everyone again. Okay. And Forrest is going to keep her eye out for a tree that looks like it's, you know, high enough above the other trees and climbable where she might be able to scout ahead and kind of see what we're walking towards. So, yeah, it's almost like just making sure that we're kind of continuing to head in direction of like those smoke trails, right? Like that seems to be where there might be any kind of signs of life or unlife. Yeah, and I want to see if I can see where those are coming from, from up higher. And you can see, I mean, this island is not um, very mountainous. It seems to have one general region that kind of builds up to it. So the ground is steadily inclining, but this path that you're on is very easy to follow. It's okay. it's a 10 foot wide swatch. And even though there's stuff to climb over, you're getting a, like a hallway view as you're navigating through this forest. Um, and it's oddly bright. Because of the moonlight and the light reflecting off of these trees, it's very easy for you to see your way through. As you're traversing through the forest, Dudu, you look up ahead and you see you're only hundreds of feet away from a large open clearing. Thick black plumes of smoke rising around in a ring. Looming behind it is this tall peak, this tall mountain. You can smell decay. As you emerge, Boris, you peek your head around the last grouping of trees and you can see this sloping hillside. As a clearing opens up, you find uh, the remnants of a ruined stone structure. Now large piles of rubble with few walls left to resemble its former state. From the size of the clearing, the structure must have been enormous and fallen long ago with the forest reclaiming However, you can see all the vegetation has since withered and the ground is sooty black. You can see small figures wrapped in black tattered robes with tails 
and they are dragging corpses to these smoldering pyres surrounding the ruins. And that's where we're gonna leave tonight. We'll hey. have to find out what happens next week. I guess we will. Oh boy. Ooh. I'm gonna hand it over to Fran. Yeah, so uh, guys, if you like us, you could find us on the internet. We can be found on such places as Twitter and Instagram at Hapless Heroes, or on Facebook or Reddit. Just find, search for Hapless Heroes Podcast. All of those places will point you, though, to what we consider to be the crown jewel of our internet presence, our Discord server, where you can meet and interact with us on a daily basis. In fact, that's where we even received the suggestion to have Phil host this Halloween special to begin with. So uh, hey. thanks for the suggestion. We're having a great time. Uh, Thank you. But if you really like us, you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice. Uh, really helps us, you know, grow in the ranks. We also just love reading your kind words. Uh, and if we see those kind words that you've read about, written about us, we're going to say some kind words right back to you on the air to tell you how, just why we think you are the five-star human that you are. But if you really, really like us, you can donate to our Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash heroes. Have a whole bunch of fun rewards on there from behind-the-scenes audio to even just like little snippets of like, you know, I got notebooks and other things like that that we've shared. Um, and we host like Patreon game nights sometimes. It's just, yeah, we, we have a lot of ways to try to give back to you um, who've you know, chosen to spend your hard-earned dollars on keep, keeping our show alive. All right, folks, check this out. So if you like us, and I don't mean just like, you know, kind of like us a little bit or you're a little lukewarm or, uh, you know, you know, getting there. But I mean, really like us, like you're willing to buy some T-shirts for the Sally Field and the Whole Deal reunion tour. All right. Get yourself a burner phone, right? Now, it could be any kind of burner phone. It could be a crappy flip phone for all we care. It doesn't matter. It's a burner phone, right? It just start calling random numbers, like any of the random numbers. Like, I mean, even, you know, pull out pull out some of the old classics, the 8675309s, shit with 555. It doesn't really matter. Go and call the emergency services number from the IT crowd if you can uh, remember it. Do any of those things. Anytime you get someone to pick up, just recommend to them to watch the Hapless Heroes podcast. This is where having it be a burner phone is going to come in super handy because they're probably not going to be super receptive to it. So, yeah, after you're done, pitch the phone. Thanks. So doable. Too, too bad they don't make pay phones. Because that's what I wish. Bring back pay phones. Yeah. If you, if you really love us. Communications <laughs> professional, no. Don't. <laughs> All right. I would like to begin our outro. Starting to my left, we have Nicole playing Boris the Butcher. Things are getting spooky. We have Mike playing Murph Eastlaw. I'm getting a chill. We have John playing Dudu. This doesn't look good. <laughs> Francesco playing Tabby. I don't know if it's just being around Dudu, but I got goosebumps. And possibly the most chilling character of all, Dave playing Zero. I had chills. They were multiplying. Then I asked them to divide instead. Well, thank you so much, guys. I'm having a blast, and we've got more spooky to go. We'll see you next week. Bye thank bye. you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye.